Welcome to Doctrine and Devotion, a podcast exploring Christian faith and practice from a Reformed Baptist perspective. My name is Joe Thorne. I'm the lead pastor of Redeemer Fellowship in St. Charles, Illinois. And I'm Jimmy Fowler, executive pastor at Redeemer Fellowship. So have you gone into a restaurant to eat yet? Yeah. Yeah, where'd you go? Barrel and Ride. Oh, did you go did you go over there? Yeah, now yeah. You can finally get into some places. Birthday dinner. Nice, nice. So Yeah, birthday month they, is they, over. They surprised me. Michelle and the Hooses and oh, the Earls and I, I wasn't invited to that surprise birthday celebration for you. Yeah, mm. it, was, it was it was good. It was fun, mm. you know. Mm. Uh they named a drink after me. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if they obviously you know, it was a uh, it was a old fashioned. Okay. But they smoked it. Yeah, so that makes like, sense. I'm yeah. like, yeah, okay. Yeah. They called it uh That's not it's that's not an original drink. That's a Yeah, but they they called it the the Fowler? No, Fofo Eater. Fofo, fofo, I don't know what they called it. I don't know. They had a fo- they had a name for it. Speaking of Fofo, you mm. got a piece of mail recently, didn't yeah. you? Yes, yeah. Yes, I was did. Was that a voter registration? What was that? I it looked looked official. So, let's let's go ahead and talk about uh mm-hmm. yeah. I, you know, all I know is you sent a picture to me. You know exactly what it I was. You know no exactly what, what happened. Oh, you know what? You can't admit it because it's voter fraud. I have no idea. It Why don't you just tell me what fraud. happened? Because I have no all idea. Right. So, uh, you know, Trump spouts off a lot of things about, uh, you know, fraud and and tampering. And some of the things I'm like, oh, he's, he's posturing. You know what I mean? Just a, posturing. Okay. All right. And then, you know, he had this whole thing about mail-in voting, how it's, you know, you can tamper with that. There's right. a high probability yes. Yes, of tampering with that. Yes, yes. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, maybe. It happens. You know, it happens. See, yeah. And then I only get- Only the Dems do it, though. Only the Dems o- do only, that. Only, yeah, only yeah, them? Yeah. Okay. Because all of a sudden, I got mm. in the mail all right. uh, an official voter mm. registration for a fofo fowler. <laughs> Man, what the, is wrong with the you? gift that keeps on giving? Why? It's your birthday. It's your birthday month. Come on, man. It was so like I'm like. It I actually at says it. Fofo. We'll put a picture of it. We'll blow out your address. Yeah. Put the picture of it. It says Fofo Fowler. It's so great. I couldn't believe it. Oh, I was man. like, oh, I just knew. I it. know you want to vote for him twice, so that's why. Is, is that why yeah, he did that? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so. Uh, Mm. That's uh, that's yeah, it. But I have not admitted anything, by the way. I'm no, just no, enjoying and, and what you happened. can't. Uh, my lawyer would tell you uh, to admit Except nothing. He tells you, yeah, yeah, yeah admit yeah, nothing. nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let your lawyer do the talking. Less is more. I love it. Did you? Uh, we haven't talked about it, mm-hmm. but did you see that uh, that thing that happened in St. Louis? I can talk about it because I'm from St. Louis, so. You know, if anybody starts to say anything about what my opinions, then my opinions matter about St. Louis because I'm from St. Louis. So, okay. And I'm from St. Louis. I'm not like from the Burbs. I'm from St. Louis. I mean, we left when I was like three months old, but still, <laughs> still, I think it counts. Yeah. You hear about the McCloskeys, the, the, the couple, the middle-aged couple, highfalutin the, lawyers. They, the Maca- uh, they, they, uh, you, okay. Uh, is, you've seen wait, the picture. They, they pink, left, pink they, they left their kid home. No, 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 no. It, it's uh, the Macaulay's. It's, it's a, it, yeah, that, that's a different, that's a, that's the Chicago family. Yeah. They, they left their kid the, at home the, twice. Yeah. So, uh, no, the McCloskey's. Uh, middle-aged, highfalutin lawyers, St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Um, you've seen the picture, I'm, I'm sure, because if I say this, you'll remember. Pink shirt, white striped shirt. He's holding an AR. She's holding a pistol. Oh, you mean the guy uh, sporting a AR that's also sporting the Donald Trump circa 2006 outfit? Oh, yeah, I guess that was. It, was, it is a similar outfit, yeah. No, no, when you say similar, Joe, you are wrong. No, it's, it's only similar because he's not wearing shoes or socks. Oh, okay. You know what? There you go. Mm-hmm. There you go. I think the word you're looking for is touche. Touche. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. No, I did see that. Yeah. I did see that. Crazy. So it's funny because 
Well, first of all, if you don't know what we're talking about, there was um, there was a march of a few hundred people uh, on their way, uh, you know, protesters, demonstrators on their way to uh, the mayor of St. Yeah. Louis's uh, house, and so, some protesting, yes, yeah, yeah, and so they're going to go there. They're mad about her releasing mm-hmm. addresses and stuff like that. Yeah, so they break the gate. So they, they go uh, allegedly break the gate, which well, I mean makes sense. How do they get in? It, yeah, the gate's broken. It's a private gated yep. community. Yeah, yeah, and there's a big sign that says you know private property, mm-hmm. private street. So somebody broke that gate down. It's like a hundred year old gate. They broke the gate down. Uh, we can see that that happened. We just didn't see who did it. And so these hundreds of people are on private property. And uh, there's this giant brick man, not brick stone mansion. This oh no, thing that thing looks is gorgeous. Whoa, gorgeous! I mean, it's not as nice as the Fofo. Stop! Palace, you know I don't but, have. A, but stop it's it. not. No, I'm still be ashamed. It's okay. Stop! You stop! Know, I think they only have three stories. You have like four, but it's four. All, but come on, chateaus in Italy typically have four. Oh, so that you're not like bragging by having only four. I mean, no, they, they I'm all on, have I'm four. on average. Okay, okay. I'm on average over there. They're in Tuscany. <laughs> I love it when you roll with it. So, <laughs> um, so I mean, this house is crazy anyways no hating on that that's cool Mm -hmm. so um they see all these people going by and they claim that they saw a few people uh with guns and people yelling we're going to burn your house down um and so you know they're eating dinner outside and so they come out he's holding an ar and she's holding a a pistol Mm -hmm. and uh people are freaking out about it the only thing that i'm freaking out about is uh that they clearly have not had training <laughs> they don't know how to hold the weapons she's got her finger on the trigger like there's no trigger discipline it's just uh, they're flagging each other and me and people it is uh she's pointing the gun yeah at people there was in the a crowd. photo there's a photo of her and it's like it's actually pointing at the camera yeah, like, it, you realize yeah i'm not a gun is, guy this uh, is bad yeah this is I even mean, i know point down yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so listen i just think it's uh it's 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 a fascinating. Everybody's talking about. It. We don't need to talk about it. But wow, um, that was uh, that was. But it's, I, what I thought was interesting was that um, they chose to go outside uh, with clearly no training or very or bad training or they didn't learn anything. But uh, they chose to go outside mm-hmm. instead of saying, "All right, everybody inside. Let's keep our people safe, and uh, we'll just you know." Oh, I mean, if the people are yelling, "We're going to burn your house," I don't think I'd want to be inside either. Yeah, but uh, if there are people out there with guns and you go out there, uh, you are sort of like... And what guns deter people, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> well, it didn't deter him. Uh, no, but it, out it deterred, and, you know, whatever yeah. they were doing. Yeah, well, maybe. We don't, of course, know if they were actually going to do this or not. Yeah. Big picture. You know, everyone postures and yells and screams. But yeah. still, you feel that sense of... Oh, yeah. If you feel a sense of threatening... I'm not mad at him. Yeah. I'm not mad at that family. I think I'm disappointed with how they handled their firearms. But, uh, yeah, no, listen. If I was afraid for my family, um, I would grab firearms. Absolutely. Yeah, no no doubt. No doubt. I would I would have played it different but um, than they did. But, yeah, I think that they were... But yeah, they were initially I thought I'd, I would just go right inside. That's me. Yeah. No, uh, just yeah. get get everybody inside, and then I stand at the door and just let everybody And knock? knock? Do you stand yeah. at the door and knock? And it, it, if you do not answer, <laughs> I cannot come. There's no door handle <laughs> on the opposite. If, if you <laughs> so, uh, you know, we did that. We did that episode on the Genevan Commons. Mm-hmm. And uh, turns out we actually did have to apologize after all. Yeah, you did, Joey. You did. <laughs> because we attributed a statement that was made in the Geneva Commons uh-huh. that you a did, guy yeah. made. Um, well, you said his name. I didn't say his name. So you're, uh-huh. you're, you're in there a little bit, but it's mostly me. Yeah, it's 99%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, this guy referred to a woman um, as, a, as a whore. I'm sorry to use the language again, but uh, that's what he does. And... Uh, 
we mistakenly believed that he you was did, referring yeah. to, you did too, uh, but I said it. We mistakenly believed he was talking about Amy Bird. He was not. Um, he was talking about another woman, and we have addressed that on the previous podcast. So, uh, yeah, we turned out we, we made a mistake. We had to own it. It's time to cancel Joe. Yeah, well, that's fine. You can cancel me. It's, what's nice is that uh, the only people that can cancel us is us. What are, yeah. what are we going to do? Nothing. Yeah. Well, we don't, we and, and listen, we canceled Joe. Then all we, what, what are we left with? Steve. Are you, though? I wouldn't know. <laughs> I miss Steve. Steve and I send each other TikToks. Oh, that's so cute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. It's the extent of our friendship. <laughs> we don't get to see each other, hang out or anything. Yeah, but, Man, uh, I see him. I, I see him pretty, all the time. I, I see I him every day. Yeah, I see him. You literally see him every day. And uh, I see him on Sundays uh, behind a mask. That's about, uh, that's about it. So yeah, man, we had our first service. Yeah, with, like full service. Yep, yep, yep. Well, really good. Not, not having communion, but no, we got to figure that out. I got to, I got to work on that. So, uh, by the way, uh, a bunch of people are killing it. Brian's killing it. Yep. Chris, all the yep. volunteers. But I just wanted to say, you're killing it. You're doing oh, a lot well, of awesome work. Yeah, yeah, Seriously cool, appreciate cool, cool. it, cool. man. Appreciate was, you, bro. It was exciting, man, to get people back in and to see a good ah, percentage fantastic. of our people. Fantastic, oh, man, and. uh they live streamed the second service. Yep. How you know what? I did not look. How was the live stream? It turns out pretty good. I mean, for us, right? I mean, because uh, I, I I'm very impressed. I'm very happy with it. Uh, I'm sure the tech guys wish they could do more and have yeah, different yeah, yeah. camera well, setups. Well, all with that. what we have, it's what it is. That's great. And uh, for our people that can't make it, that's awesome. And you can go check it out at RedeemerFellowship.org if you like. Unfortunately, the first sermon I thought was better than the second sermon. So you're stuck with the second sermon. Uh, so did you, you still say what I want you? Like, you know. Did you still you? Oh, the thing that I said the first time. Yeah, well, you, that wasn't like, in you my notes. Ad, I know you ad libbed it. Yeah, and I'm hoping you still said it. I tried to, but it didn't come out as good. Oh yeah. man, you put too much so... pressure on me. Really? Yeah, no. Oh it's, gosh, it come out. I'm in the back of the place, like giving an audible. Woo! That yeah. was good. Yeah, that distracted me for the rest I, of the day. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, that oh, was oh, good. Oh, scared me. <laughs> but it was good. I was okay. like, whoa. Yeah, we're talking about blasphemy. Mm-hmm. And then you know, I, I found out that Sunday. This is this is how uh, this is how I am. I prepare, I work hard on my sermon yeah. prep, right? It's the yep. big thing that I do. Yep. And uh, the only our, thing, yeah. our sermons our sermons are mapped out in advance. Oh, yeah. And so the uh, <laughs> the worship team knows what they're building around for worship liturgy and all that stuff. And uh-huh. so uh, Sunday morning, I hear the guys whispering and talking. I'm like, what are we talking about? And you guys were like, uh, don't uh, worry about it. Don't, yeah. yeah we're not gonna, I mean, we'll, <laughs> we'll talk about it later, which now, I, now I'm stressed. I'm like, no, I need to know now. <laughs> and then they were like, yeah, you've apparently prepared this sermon, but in doing so, you're covering the verses for this week and the scheduled verses for next week. And I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, cool, I wasn't cool, really paying cool, attention. Cool. <laughs> so we're doing uh, a one-off for this coming Sunday. Oh. And, uh, what are we going to do? We're going to talk about uh, the foundation and the practice and the pursuit of unity in the church among Christians. Oh, wow. And then we'll get back to it. Good, good. What are we talking about today, Jimmy? Well, we're going to be talking about Chuck Lawless, his article, 10 Characteristics of the Best Bad Church Leaders I've Ever Known. It's a nice, short list. Yeah. uh, But it's actually thought-provoking and helpful. Of course, we can affirm and amen what he says here. Uh, We've all seen it, and most of us have fallen into many of these problems. But who who has the most cowboy, old-school last name? Chuck Lawless. Lawless, man. Chuck Lawless. That's that's a like I feel like I feel like I need a like a spittoon. Yeah. After Chuck Lawless. Yeah. It, that should have been the name of the McCloskeys. They, they, they well, no, because they were lawful, I guess. But, uh, but yeah. they were pretty cowboy. 
Yeah. yeah. Chuck Wallace. <laughs> Chuck, Chuck Wallace. Chuck Wallace does not sound like an educated guy, but he oh, is. Why, wait, why? Because Chuck Wallace sounds like a not? cowboy. A cowboy is an educated So you're telling me cowboys can't be educated? No, by definition, when you're talking by about the definition, cow- yeah, we're talking about the cowboys of the uh-huh. 1800s. They were not generally educated. They were, they oh, were, they, they, they were, they didn't, just foolish they, didn't, they don't have doctorates. No, no, I'm not saying they were foolish. The cowboys today don't have, don't have. Uh, no, but they play doctorates. football. Oh, so, you're talking about. I'm sorry, I thought about Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, <laughs> so, anyways, uh, Chuck's article: ten characteristics characteristics of bad church leaders of the best bad church leaders I've ever known. In other words, it's a mouthful. There are very gifted. Leaders yep. out there that aren't always so good. It's mm. a fair way to put it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh, sometimes the most talented and gifted people, sometimes the smartest people uh, do really bad things and really disappoint us. And so you want to read that little uh, intro paragraph that he's got to yep. this list of 10? In the past, I've written about characteristics of the best leaders I've ever known. Today, I write about church leaders I've known who are strong leaders on one hand but poor leaders on the other. Here are some of their good and bad characteristics. Good list. All right. Number one. Number one. Uh, okay. They, they had a great vision, <laughs> but assumed others would follow them only because of the vision. Mm. They were sure vision would, yep, trigger warning, trump anything. He did it on purpose. Include things like personal integrity and godliness. In fact, they couldn't imagine why anybody would not want to be on their team. Okay, so th- this is a person that um, might have some sort of narcissistic disorder, or yeah. they may—they uh, just might have an inflated ego. But this is a person that can cast a good vision. They can clarify what the mission is. Uh, they can articulate it well. But that clear, articulate vision does not, in fact, trump or override uh, the problems of personal integrity. Um, it's it, it's not going to cover your ungodliness. Mm. So I think it's a it's a so pretty yeah, general and thing. I think we we've seen that though, right? Mm-hmm. Like in in, in well known leaders, uh, and and maybe even at times have fallen into that ourselves, right? Where it's yeah. like at least I have. I could see myself in this in mm-hmm. the past of thinking, well, the mission that I'm on is is so vital and important. Please yeah. look past my personal. It's not about me. It's about the mission. It's about the it's mission, about the vision, yeah. guys. You're you're focusing the wrong area. I'm just yeah. trying to focus on God and doing what he wants yeah. us to do. Uh, let's not focus on my sin. As the prophet said, visionary, vision is scary. So that was really good. Yeah. Well, 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 10% done. of our audience. Will well done. Hey, which prophet was, was that? The prophet Eminem? Uh, yeah. Yeah. The, uh, that was uh, Marshall Mathers. Yeah. Mm, yes. Okay. Yeah, and I, th- I think that um, that that's a good way. That was really, really well done. <laughs> See, that's that's what happened on church on Sunday. Yeah. And then you're like, you're going to say it again. I'm like, say what? I don't know. And you're like, the Eminem quote. And I'm like, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I think that there's there's a sense in which there's there's some truth there. Like, like listen, don't focus on me. Yeah. Focus on the vision. Okay, in a sense, right. Like, the vision is bigger than us. We don't want to build a culture around a leader. Yeah. But our leadership does matter. Or the character of our leaders matters. And so that's, a, that's I think, a pretty common one. Um, what about number two? It says, these leaders have demonstrated preaching and communication skills, but are unwilling to consider any need for improvement. After after all, why should they worry about improving when their track record already proves their skill? See, this one to me is, is a bit worrisome, right? Like the idea that, I mean, maybe, maybe I'm, I'm being uncharitable like that. I've arrived that I don't need to move forward. Cause I mean, best case scenario here is 
like if, if for me to be gracious to the individual was thinking I don't have time to improve those things. I want to pour that energy into other aspects of ministry. Uh, and if it ain't broke, why fix? Right. Well, here would be the pushback um, on that. And it would be get that great. But any person who is strong on preaching mm -hmm. would say that it's one of their most important ministries. And if it's one of your most important ministries, then you need to continue to work on it. If it, if it deserves the emphasis that good communicators place on it, yeah. then they should then recognize the need to continually work on it, not just in it. Um, now, maybe uh, I think, I don't know exactly why it is. It's probably a combination of personal insecurity uh, helpful, constructive criticism that I get on the regular, um, and this that I want to get better. I'm open to feedback, and I, I continue to work on my preaching. Mm. Um, that's not because I'm godly. It's 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 like a multiplicity of contributing factors or that make me open to it. But I can imagine that you know if you are getting the attaboys and you're the man and this is great and like all of that all the time, uh, that could probably harden you up to any kind of criticism. And so yeah, we. I think most of, and you don't have to be a celebrity for that to happen. I mean, I've, I've yeah, known yeah. preachers that are not open to any form oh, of yeah, constructive same, criticism. Same. Oh gosh, goodness. So like, what are some ways though you, you personally as, as the lead preaching pastor, what are those ways that you're continually, you know, looking to improve? Well, I, I try to read uh, the new books that come out on preaching if I hear or think that they will be good to read. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm constantly evaluating my preaching. So um, I revisit, say, um, some of the classics or I vi revisit the principles that I say I want to use for my uh, sermon development. Um, so through personal evaluation, I get feedback from people like you and Brian yeah, and others. Yeah. I mean, sometimes people just offer up thoughts that, uh, that are helpful. And if they're not helpful, it's like, okay, well it didn't connect to them for some reason. And so that helps me. So I think being open is a part of it. And to be honest, um, because from time to time I wind up coaching people, uh, and I'll coach preaching, coach preachers on their preaching. Um, anytime you're helping somebody else, you're, if you're paying attention at all, you'll realize, like, wow, I've got some stuff to work on here. Too. Yeah. Like if you're taking somebody through marriage counseling, you wind oh, up going yeah. like, huh, huh. I got to do yeah. that. Uh -huh. I mm -hmm. should listen more. Yeah. Yeah. Listening is good. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, uh, th I think that's, that's a, that's a fair criticism. What about number three? They built a great leadership team, but didn't see that the team didn't want to work for them. Oh. Oh, they sought, recruited, and secured other great leaders, but those same great leaders, for various reasons, grew tired of following them. We've seen this happen a number yeah. of times in the last five years or so. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so like you, you can know the kind of people that you need to lead out in your team and your ministry and your business, but just because you have a great team doesn't mean that you are leading them well. Correct, and, and that even that they want to continue to be mm -hmm. led, right? Like, I mean... Um, I remember my dad telling me once, uh, the worst thing you do is force someone to work for you, right? Mm -hmm. If they don't want to be there, let them go. Just let them go. Like, send them off. Find a way. Cut them loose. Because if they don't want to be there, they ain't going to pour the energy. There's no excitement. They're not going to care anymore. And I think it's the same thing in ministry. You see that senioritis kind of attitude where people begin to check out mm -hmm. uh, of their roles. And when you see that happen, it's time to cut bait. It's time to just say, listen have an honest and transparent conversation is something going on is you know um uh do you have a lot of uh concerns that you're working through is there something going on in your personal life that i could be praying for is this just a season or is this maybe a way god's saying it's time to move on right and maybe it's i mean he's talking about essentially um 
bad church leaders, right? And so in this case, we could say well, the, the, the person that has the highest or at least most recognizable position um, is somehow disconnecting himself from the other leaders. And so while he might say, look, well, you can go if you're not happy, the, the better solution might be to have him step down. Uh, oh, yeah, I've seen that, too. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm looking both ways. Right. One, it could be, you know, but I have seen an experience. I left a church because of that. Right. Uh, and actually, years later, when I sat down with them, uh, that pastor at that time and uh, and he was still the pastor at that church, uh, we we're talking and conversing. And I said, hey, man, you know, I don't want to say his name, but I said, you know, Ricky Bobby. Hey, Ricky Bobby. Uh, it should be telling that everyone leaves you. Mm. Like, have you not noticed that, that you, you're really excited when we're on staff with you and then something happens and there becomes conflict and all of a sudden we're all gone. And mm. yet it was our fault. Right. Like, have you ever took stock of that? Right. That, that should speak volumes to you on your leadership style. If everyone does, no one can stick with you for that long. Yeah. yeah it's, and we've seen people who have built strong churches who have been asked to step down or who have been let yep. go. Yep. The church is amazing, but they have not done a good job in connecting with their people or yep. whatever it is. Yep, yep, yep. It's funny. I knew a guy. Um, I met this guy after he got fired from a church because of his, uh, I guess, his leadership style. And then uh, and I, I met him when he was joining another church. And then he got fired from that church for his leadership style. <laughs> At that point, like, at, po- at that point, your style is aggressive. Probably time to take some serious stock and be like, maybe it's not the church. Maybe maybe I've got my style. style. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Maybe the style is what's wrong here. Yeah. You it know, could be like that '90s grunge style, which was totally lame. So, mm. no, oh, is that it? Yeah, okay, I'll take a dig there. All right, number four. four. They publicly promoted godliness, but privately lived otherwise. Their hypocrisy was behind closed door doors, as it most often is. Mm. And so like we've seen this, uh, usually it, it happens uh, in, a, in a big way when there is uh, a well-known figure who's always talking about the gays or they're always talking about, you know, some particular sin. And then it comes out like they've been doing that very thing behind yeah, the scenes yeah, and they, yeah. get, they get busted for it. But it's not always so um, so televised, right? It's oftentimes yeah. that people, and it's not even that they're being legalistic, but they're holding people to certain standards all the while they are living a private wicked life and their sins find them out. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, I mean, I think there's, there's even promoting godliness in our marriage or promoting godliness in our homes Mm -hmm. or, or, uh, in our own sanctification. Yet we're not, we're not doing that. Right. Like whether it's, uh, for some pastors, uh, uh, struggling with porn addiction Mm -hmm. or lusting or, uh, lack of personal study or lack of prayer in Mm -hmm. their life or, uh, talking about, uh, you know, how promoting from the, from the pulpit, loving your wife and, and treating her and honoring Mm -hmm. her. And yet behind closed doors, uh, your wife's like this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, preach I, I it, preacher. I, I don't remember the last time I was honored. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. And you know, we're this is part. It's a, there's a couple of things here that I'm thinking about. One is um, if you're calling people to repentance, then you had better be a repenter. Yeah, and doesn't mean yeah, you yeah, need yeah. to be perfect. Of course, we're not. That's the whole point. Repenters yes. Yes. inherently 
are imperfect. They mess up. They screw Hence, up. Hence, repenting. That's why you do it. Um, and it's also a good idea to share an aspect of your struggle with the sins that you are addressing in the pulpit, if if it's relevant at all and appropriate. Yeah, yeah, you, it's not and, a, and appropriate. That the pulpit's not a uh, confessional. Yeah, it's not your accountability buddy. Yeah, you know where, but so you don't want to make it about you, and you don't want to be, uh, you know. Uh, salacious or, or whatever in the way that you're talking about your struggles. But certainly people do need to know, hey, listen, I'm calling you to repentance. I'm calling myself to repentance here. Like we need to be a people who have hearts that are sensitive to the Lord and sensitive to our sin so that I am challenged here with you. I'm not just challenging you. The Lord is challenging us all. It's a, an important aspect of preaching that mm. good preachers, I think, are, are careful to hit. Number five, they bragged about their staff, but failed to realize they were disconnected from that staff. Everybody else seemed to know it, but the leaders themselves somehow missed it. The staff thus felt thus felt unappreciated even when they heard their praises. So it's um, there's some kind of distance, right? Yeah, some I mean, kind of a disconnect. Like, the, uh, there, there's a lack of relationship. So, yeah. so like, okay, I, I'm going now in in from my experience, just even on a secular level, but I, I think it applies. Uh, at work, I'm, I'm in the front office. I'm, I'm dealing with customers. I'm, I'm taking care of deals. I'm, I'm running things, right? But I always made a point that I'm, I'm out on the floor. I'm talking with people. I'm checking in, asking them how their kids are doing, right? Uh, asking about what's going on in their lives. How are they seeing things on the floor? Mm-hmm. Uh, letting them know I'm seeing your numbers. They're looking good. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to I build that relationship. And a lot of these, a lot of, for personally, a lot of these employees have been around for 10 plus years, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so I guess what I'm getting at there is uh, it's important for me to build a relationship on a personal level that they know I actually care about them. Right. Uh, and that I actually notice them rather than always like it's, it's easy to be that CEO in the front office that's mm-hmm. completely disconnected. So like when I, when I sit there and see these CEOs talking, you know, uh, praising people, it's like, well, you don't really know that individual to be able to praise. And I think the same thing here when we talk about staffing is when the uh, senior pastor or lead pastor or preaching pastor or what, head elder, whatever you want to call them, when the, the bishop, when, the, uh, when they are um, not getting to know their people and spending time with their staff, the staff know that. And then they think somehow you think you're better, right? That you're too good to come and have lunch with us. You're too good to come chit chat and have a coffee break. You're too good to check in and see, you know, what's going on in my personal life. And so, uh, but people value that people value that connection with, uh, uh, with the senior staff. I think about it in like there are two sides to this same coin about building the relationship. and, And that is availability and intentionality. Right. So you need both. Yeah. Um, you need some level of availability or access so that people can come to you if they initiate mm-hmm. um, because you probably well, with your staff, it should be a smaller number. You should be able to be intentional with your staff, uh, with your leadership. But um, so you need to make the intention, but also remain open or available for them. So it goes it goes both ways. But as a person in a lead position, you need to make sure that uh, you're not only available because that would be my default. Hey, I'm available. You want to you talk? Cool. See, and that, that to me is the arrogance, right? Like, And I'm not saying you're, you're mm-hmm. being like that, but that's the danger of that. The arrogance of you come to me, I don't come to you. Right. And it's, uh, you know, some people might have, uh, like, I don't want to overstep. Like, I always find it 
and I've struggled with it for a long time. You know, when I, especially when I first got into the pastorate uh, back in the nineties, people, especially in this particular context, when the pastor would call or, um, or visit or, or make an effort, like it was to them, it was like, wow, that's very nice. And I always felt like, why would you want to hear from me? Like it just was, I, I, cause I didn't grow up in church. Maybe I'm not really sure, but, uh, it's like, well, you also hate being with people. <laughs> I don't hate being with people. I just oh, prefer, really? um, you prefer to be by myself. Ah, okay. Oh, there is yeah, a difference. Preference. Okay. Preference. Yeah, yes. Preference, you know. I prefer not you. I, I prefer, yeah, <laughs> not, 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 I hate you. I prefer not you. No, no. It's not that I hate you. I prefer me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and uh, Or nothing. <laughs> not that I hate you. I just prefer Now absolutely. I understand why you really like are uh, drawn to Bigfoot. You know, he is the champion social distancer. <laughs> He's by himself. He, you know, keeps to himself. No one's bothering him. Mm-hmm. He ain't bothering no Man, one. He's self-sufficient, self-reliant. He's the ultimate stoic. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's a lot to admire about, about Bigfoot. <laughs> You know, he's got long hair. Yeah. He is the heavy metal of the animal kingdom. <laughs> That's why I like Bigfoot. All right. So, um, yeah, I, I think we, we, we would do well um, to genuinely value and seek to build those relationships as much as possible. Everybody's going to have different availability. Yeah. So, um, and don't expect people are going to be best friends either. That, yeah. That's not it. It's not going to like, we remember not, we used to be best friends. No, we still are. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm. We are Joe. Okay. We are, mm-hmm. man. You have many best friends now. Uh-uh. I think that's what it is. Okay. That's not true. Mm-hmm. I will say it on the air. That's mm-hmm. not true, Joe. You have no best friends. What? No. Okay. God. I, I just like, I have like all kinds of birthday parties and everything. I you didn't don't get invited, so I, I'm the guy. I got you a present, and I wasn't invited to your party. But your present is the only present that That's is with me all the time. Mm-hmm. Is it already getting a patina? Yep. 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 Look at that. Nice. Look at that. You want to see it? Mm-hmm. Looks nice. Mm-hmm. I like it. Let me see. Okay, let me see. see? Ooh. Yeah, yeah. See, it's getting there. It's getting there. Looks cool. I think I'm gonna keep it. No, what? <laughs> it's mine. Brass. Okay. All right. Uh, what about number six? Number six. They emphasized. No, sorry. Yes. Number six. <sighs> <laughs> they <laughs> emphasized relevance and change, but fought change in their own office. It's funny sometimes how leaders will tell others what they must do while completely ignoring that application in their own world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People don't like. I knew a pastor who told the congregation all the time, we need to have a plurality of elders. We need to have a plurality yeah, of elders for yeah. years, for years and years and years, but would never implement it. And and it, we, the excuse was none of you are ready. None of you are ready when mm. yeah, we, we, get the, we got some, some people be, that some are, ready. People are ready. Some yeah. of these people are ready. Yeah. And they're mature, they're godly. And it turned out in the end, that guy didn't want to be held accountable. <laughs> he was like, I know I kind of like my gig the way it is. <laughs> Do my thing all the time. No Can you imagine me, me without elders? Oh, yeah. well, first of all, the church, of all there you'd have no church. The church would die in it. it with, within the first year, the church would be gone. It wouldn't exist yeah. anymore. Right. Or it'd be a cult, a very successful cult. I don't know about successful. Oh, it could be. I don't think so. Mm, no, you don't underestimate have, you my gotta, charisma, Jimmy. You, no, you'd have to have some organization that, to make that happen. No, no, I get, I get my, uh, one of my multiple wives in the cult to do that stuff for me. That's how it works. One of cult. your multiple wives. Well, if you're starting Which a cult, it's, the smart ones. I don't know. The ones that have talent in that area. I don't know. I was going to try to see if I had to rebuke you if you'd said a name. <laughs> oh no no i, I don't have like, any no oh, i was like i was gonna catch up there's gonna be a gotcha no, I, don't, I don't i don't dream or imagine that sort of a stuff i'm just saying like if i started a cult yeah, yeah you then, but i like though that you said if i start a cult 
one of the parts of the cult is multiple wives. Well, so every not, good cult, not, no, every good not cult every has multiple. Cult, name not, a good cult that doesn't have multiple wives. But Heaven's Gate it was a terrible cult. They all died. They all committed suicide. Yeah, see? All right, let's get back to it, Jimmy. What are we talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah. You got to be willing to change yeah. in your own office. Number seven, they stressed family values but failed to see the yeah. pain in oh. their own family. In fact, some of these leaders wrote on the topic even while their own home was falling apart. I've known pastors yeah. that have done this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it puts us on high alert as pastors. Like, because we, we've seen people really hurt their families. And you were just mentioning this uh, about, you know, preachers talking about loving your wives and they're not loving their wives. Um, we need to be sensitive. I think there's a sense in which you as a husband or a wife, you should always have a sense of conviction about where you fall short in your pursuit of loving your spouse yeah. um, while being encouraged by the fruit that you do see God doing in you. So you can be encouraged on the one hand, but you should still remain convicted where you see the, the areas where you're falling short so that you will repent and work on those areas. But And be, uh, I'm trying to think of the word like I, 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 I'm using the word strong on this and I, I can't think of a better one uh, to actually set clear boundaries. Right. Mm -hmm. Because it's so easy oh, yeah. in ministry mm -hmm. to be overwhelmed and to have that Jesus mentality. Right. The, you know, what, Jesus like you don't want to have the Jesus mentality. No, I don't talk about like you like the, like the <laughs> savior. Tweet complex. This out. There you go. Jimmy says don't no, have no, the Jesus mentality. <laughs> mentality. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like that savior complex right, right, of right. like it, it, no one else is doing it. They can't do it. I have to do it. That everyone's depending on me. Uh, well, so I'm going to sacrifice my. I'm going to sacrifice my family on the altar of ministry, and that ain't right. No, that, and so yeah. clear and having clear boundaries with people uh, and the church and with the leadership and whoever else, mm -hmm. uh, so that you're protecting your wife. I mean, uh, there was a season. I mean, listen. Sometimes it's going to happen, right? Yeah. And and for a little season, but you got to be intentional to cut that off as fast as possible. Uh, and to make sure your wife, your spouse is okay with you Re know. revisit that that season that you had talked about in the past, where you and your wife agreed for the next season for a couple of years, it's going to be very hard, but that's going to get us to where we want to be for the next level. Why don't you talk a little bit about that and how your wife handled that? Yeah, no, uh, I mean, just like you said, at the, I was doing ministry at the time uh, as well as schooling online, and we knew okay, this is going to be rough. We know this is going to be tough. Baby Cohen's on the way. Uh, and she, uh, bef before Cohen, she was working as well. And so it's like, we're going to hardly see each other. But during this time, it's going to be rough. Are you okay with that? Let's, you know, and how, how could we do check-ins with each other? But once that season's over, uh, and I will try to end that season as fast as possible. But even in the midst of that, trying to find opportunities um, to love and care for my wife. And But for me, the lesson I really gave gave grabbed from that is not allowing myself to get to that position until unless it's absolutely necessary right and i don't allow other people to tell me that it's necessary right right and that's just it i don't allow the the even here at redeemer i don't allow the elders to tell me uh that it's necessary for me to sacrifice my family which right. they never would but i'm just saying but i've been like, in churches where they have yeah and at my, my last church they did you know uh where there was this expectation of you would be doing all this uh uh, and yeah, I mean, it is what it is. This is the job, Jimmy. It's like, no, that's not what's going to happen. Listen, here. Jimmy, Jesus brought a sword to divide uh, you know, <laughs> the son from the father, the son from the. the I but mean, but I also don't let church members, yeah. right? I don't let church members because just because their life's falling apart doesn't necessarily mean mine has to, right? Mm -hmm. And that's just that's just the reality of it. I'm and not going to sacrifice my my relationship uh, with my wife. 
I remember, I, re- I remember when you had to finish up your school. Oh, that was another season. Yeah. Gosh. And that's what, that's when I was thinking about you. You were going to, you were working full time at, yep. at your company, yep. uh, which is a very full time job. And you were a, a very full time student. Yeah. I was doing 20 to 22 credit hours. So, and again, that was a family decision that was made. That was between Michelle and I, I mean, yeah. for the first few years, my neighbors thought my wife was uh, a widow. Because they're like, we never see your husband. You talk about being married. Yeah, and we got the you got the ring on there, mm-hmm. but he's never he's not out at any of the barbecues or any of the get-togethers. Uh, and there's a light on at where you say his office is, but we don't see anyone in there. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and they yeah, they're just like uh, something might be a little bit off here. So you got, and I also think about the kids, right? Like uh, for a, a lot of pastors, kids are under a lot of pressure in many churches, uh, especially the kids of pastors, because. Sometimes it's the pastor himself that holds his kids to an unrealistic standard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's the congregation that holds the the pastor's family to an unrealistic standard. Um, and so you've really got to guard your kids up from that. You got to protect. Let your kids be kids. Let them screw up and make mistakes, and they'll own that when they do that. But they should not be held to a different standard than other kids. Yeah, and they shouldn't have to feel like they're in the fishbowl. And I hear and they should the they shouldn't be punished. For being your kid. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just like, because your, your life decision, like your job, you know, the, mm-hmm. the career that the Lord has given you, mm-hmm. they shouldn't be punished for that. Right. Right. I, I, I was told frequently throughout Bible college and seminary, like you're going to live in a fishbowl. Everybody's going to be watching you. And, and to a large degree, that's true in probably most churches. Um, However, I don't feel that at Redeemer. Um, Obviously, we are more visible. And so more people do pay attention and more people do notice what we do, whether it's good or bad. But I've never felt like uh, that the congregation is scrutinizing me or my family. And if anything... No, we have a different channel, Slack channel for that. You have a a special Slack channel? We have a special Slack channel. It's called Not Joe. Not Joe? That's my whole... uh, Not you. That's not, my you. Thing. not you. Um, all right. What about uh, number eight? It says um, they pushed missions but refused to go themselves. And their refusal was for no reason other than they simply didn't want to travel that far. Do as I say, not as I do was their missions motto. I haven't personally run into that with, with people that pastors that I know, but I'm obviously, and this is a guy that yeah. has been involved. Yeah. In I've never, I've never heard, I, I personally have not heard someone say, uh, I don't want to travel that far. Uh, I have a pretty weak answer. It is. I have, but equally I've heard a weak answer of, uh, I need to focus on what I'm doing here. I'm here to empower others to do that. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that to me is, is just the same, uh, weak answer of, uh, I get that we're not, not all people are called to missions, right? Like as far as like vocationally, vocationally, but even that short term experience, uh, with your congregation speaks volumes to them uh, and neglecting to do that because a, you might just not want to and B you're going to use the excuse that I need to focus my attention here. I think is just is weak. Yeah. Yeah. And again, one of the things that pastors are called to do is to lead and to guide, to instruct. And uh, one of the big ways that pastors should do that is by example. 
and so yes, it's 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 good to to be involved in in all kinds of ministry activities as you have the opportunity. And missions is definitely yeah. good. And you might be providentially hindered, right? And there obviously there 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 I think there are times where people are providentially hindered. You could be on a no fly list or something. You know what I mean? And then no, you just can't no. Go. Okay. Yeah. Uh, here here's a I'm just not not to put you in a position, right? Mm-hmm. But like you know, you had your parents and your grandma living there. You were prov- you would be providentially hindered from going. Yeah, I couldn't leave. You for, couldn't leave exactly. Or right? if I did. Uh, then Jen, Jen couldn't. Right? Jen, yeah, Jen would be. So, able, like, yeah. I mean, there, there's there's things like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, health reasons or health concerns. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are definitely valid reasons. So, I don't want to give the impression that if you're not going, uh, that's weak. Right. Uh, I'm saying if you're using certain excuses, that's the, mm-hmm. the if you're using a weak excuse, that's weak. But there's definitely valid reasons why a senior pastor or senior leadership is not able to go. What about number nine? They understood the importance of confrontation, but used their staff to do the hard confrontations. Hmm. In fact, they often confronted others only through email or public articles while avoiding face-to-face discussions. Huh. Well, that, first of all, I don't know why you're looking at me because huh. that's definitely not me. I don't do email and public articles. Well, no, or okay, just not doing it. Yeah. I confront people. Or through text. Yeah, I confront people. I don't mm. confront people through text. You're mm. going to make me look bad for everybody. Mm. I don't do that. Uh, you're thinking of one specific situation. Mm, multiple. You're thinking of you're thinking of one specific multiples. thing. And uh and mm. it's like and you're really taking it out on me when it's not me. <laughs> I don't I don't buy it. I don't mm. appreciate it. Mm, but I appreciate you. So Joe, mm-hmm. The instead of the importance of confrontation and are very well, but use their staff to do the hard confrontation. I have seen that though. I have seen that where uh, it's it's like it's like you see like the bully pastor, right? Yep. But I think this is like another. Yeah. It's another form of a bully pastor. It's just a uh, maybe a not cowardly bull- one. Yeah. It's I, I think it's the difference between we have some pastors love confrontation, they thrive on it, and they love beating people down, and they want to be the aggressive. But there's right. still that like there's passive, passive aggressive guy, passive guy that's pushing others to do the work mm-hmm. for them. And I that, that to me is like it's aggressive, but it's cowardly. Yeah. So in ra- rather than uh, standing firm and with your convictions, especially as a lead, right, and and uh, especially as a lead pastor, not having that. Uh, the guts, I guess, mm-hmm. to deal with it. Yeah, it's hard. And and it might be, I don't know if scared is the right word. I mean, maybe it is. Like maybe they're afraid of like, how are they going to react? Or uh, is our relationship going to change? You some know, people are don't they going to quit on me? Yeah, some people don't want to be thought of as you know, the bad guy. And, yeah, yeah. You know, it's 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 one of the things that we tell people like, um, and like I, I've had to have this conversation a lot where, uh, you're you're we're working maybe with a ministry team leader and um, and they're like, well, how are we going to handle this? And you say, well, let's do it this way. And they're like, I think that's best, but some people aren't going to be happy. And we tell them, you lay uh, the, the the blame at at me or at the elders. Like, yes, you know, we'll go ahead and take the because yep, that's yep, yep, yep. ultimately we're responsible for this. And so don't, we're totally fine yeah, with that. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, if we weren't, then we wouldn't want the decision to go forward. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, if we're for it, then let's go ahead and take the then we're going to sta- we're going to stand behind it. Then that's mm-hmm. just it. If, you, if you're for that decision, you believe in that decision then you stand by that decision, uh, regardless of, uh, you know, maybe some of the knocks you're going to take. Right. Yeah. And then number 10. They had infectious passion for their work, but allowed their passion to devolve into rudeness and impatience. They so badly wanted the job done that they sometimes ran over people to get there. Ooh. So, yeah. 
again, this is sort of the bully aspect of, of you know, you're, you so believe in the calling, you're so passionate about the cause that you wind up running people over. And as long as people get on the bus, quote unquote, they won't get run over by the bus. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think I've had, uh, I'm just trying to like go, I don't think I have an example in my own personal life. Um, I mean, I've seen rudeness and impatience, but maybe, so maybe that's what it is. Uh, ministry demands patience because you're dealing with yeah, people. Yeah. Um, and, you know, sometimes that can, uh, you know, we, we can claim patience as sort of a cover for inactivity or a lack of, of motion. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but ultimately, you do, we do have to be patient with people. And, um, that, and again, not excuse sin uh, or slothfulness, but we, we do need to be patient because it takes, it takes, sometimes it takes time to get people to move or to see or to understand, just like it takes you and I time to learn things. God has to teach us. It yeah, yeah. doesn't happen immediately. Uh, we've got to be patient with people as well. Well, we'd love to hear your thoughts. You can follow us online on Instagram and Twitter at Doc and Devo or on Facebook slash Doctrine and Devotion. You can head to the website, drfortune.com. There you can contact us. You can sign up for the email blast or hit up the store, joefostore.com, and grab some gear. Fresh Pot every Monday and Thursday. Blog post on Wednesdays. Later. Later.